It's Sunday morning, and this is the weekend of our chili cookout. That was yesterday. We had a wonderful time. And I always kind of change the message when it comes to these picnics and chili cookouts. What I want to do is kind of strengthen you in the things that we believe. I'll veer off of this regular message that I've been on David and Saul. I'll go back to David next week. But what I wanted to do is bring out things that are in the Bible that most people are not familiar with. This is the apostasy. These are things that I didn't even know was in the Bible until I left home. I was raised in a Baptist preacher's home. My father was an independent Baptist preacher. He, I don't mean this in any reflection against my father, but he was a very shallow man. He knew very little about the Bible. He would get up every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and quote the, usually the same four or five verses, and then he would shout and tell stories for 45 minutes. I was very frustrated about 16, 17 years old back in the mid-50s, and I began to pray, Lord, there must be more than this. I didn't know where to start. I tried to read a Bible that my mom and dad had given me for Christmas one year, and I didn't know where to look, where to start. And I'd just start reading through it. I'd stop, and I'd start again, and I'd stop, and I'd start again. Has anybody had that same problem besides me? I didn't know what to do. I was just frustrated. And I kept reading in the Bible, and I would see where something would repeat itself over and over, and things began to come together after about 10 to 15 years. I was in my late my late 20s and early 30s before a picture began to form in my mind. And I've got all these points. I got to thinking yesterday, what are these things that I have learned that I didn't learn from my father and didn't learn from my Baptist family? And that's just about everything I teach. Had a young man walk up to me and some other guys in a Baptist church in Fort Worth about 1961. And we, me and these other guys, we in our early 20s, and we were talking about how God knows everything that's going to happen. And this guy, I don't know who he is. I wish I knew so I could go back and thank him. He changed my whole world. He walked up and said, let me tell you guys something. He's about two or three years older than us. And he was going to an independent Baptist seminary between Dallas and Fort Worth. And they taught predestination there. In fact, one guy said, you can't go there without believing in predestination. And he quoted Romans 8 and 29. I had never heard this from my father. I would go to fellowship meetings, revival meetings. I'd never heard anyone talk about predestination. And he quoted Romans 8 and 29. For whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. He didn't hardly get through that, that my head was completely blown away. I said, what? Does the Bible say that? He said, it says that, and he walked away. And I kind of ran after him and said, you can't just quote that and walk away from me. You've got to tell me more about it. And I never talked to him again. I would love to know who he was. And that changed my world, turned my life around. I wrestled with that about three days and I was going oh gosh if this is true what am I going to do is anybody hit with it like that and I thought I'm just breathing hard I couldn't hardly sleep that night that was went on for about three nights and I thought 
if this is true, then God is a mathematician. And I liked that because I was real good in, in algebra and geometry and trig and all of that. And I said, he has to be a mathematician. And I started studying the Bible and mathematics. I didn't know that predestination is in the Bible. The word predestinate, I've said it to you before, is the word prohorizo. And the Bible says, I didn't know we were chosen. I'd never heard that. Never heard of chosen. He had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. We're chosen to holiness. Holy. Hagios. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. This is what we were chosen to, to be holy, single, single or pure. When you are single or pure, that means you go through fire and trials and fire burns out all the dross out of your life. If you live long enough in truth, you'll become holy the longer you live. Now, a lot of people say you get everything when you're born again. No, you don't. Why do you have to add to your faith? We add to our faith and the Bible names seven things we have to add to our faith. It starts off with virtue. Virtue is the word arete. R-E-T-E. Arete means maturity. It means to grow up and be a man. You don't start off mature. I didn't know. I did not know that we had two men in us. I didn't know that. My father never mentioned that. None of the independent Baptists around ever mentioned that. That you have an outer man. Paul speaks of that outer man constantly. And he speaks of the inner man. He keeps saying, put on this outer man. Put on the inner man. And the outer man is self, serves the law of the flesh. That's what the Bible says in Romans, the seventh chapter. I didn't know that. Nobody told me that. The only thing I know about the Bible is when I left home and when I started studying. That's everything I've learned. I've never been to seminary. I have taught myself the Greek language. Uh, part of the Hebrew language I just got me a concordance and started looking up all the words I could and I've been doing that for 40 years and I didn't know that there was an inner and an outer man anytime you see put on put on in Ephesians 4 Colossians 3 and it'll talk about all the things that we have to put on put on is the word in duo it means to sink into clothing what is the clothing that we have? He's washed our sin. I've washed our. He's washed us and made us our wash us with the blood of Christ, and we wear the blood of Christ. That's the true baptism is the blood of Christ. He's washed us from our sins in His own blood. That's our clothing. So anytime you see put on, it's talking about the blood of Christ and all of the things that Colossians three is talking about. It's talking about maturity. It's talking about long-suffering. It's talking about agape. Then you're putting on the blood of Christ. But that's not an invitation. That is an imperative mood. In duo is imperative. That is a command. You will put on. Now, this is something else I didn't know. I didn't know that works doesn't have anything to do with salvation. When you listen to a, a reformer, they're supposed to believe in predestination. And I've heard, uh, what's his name that just died? Uh, R.C. Sproul say, it's faith alone. Works has nothing to do with it. That was ignorant. I don't care how many doctor's degree you got, Mr. Sproul. 
We're not saved by works, but we are saved by a working faith. If your life doesn't change and you don't think you have to be obedient to God, is obeying God, is that works? You have to understand we have works of the flesh, of self-righteousness, self-righteousness. You have ritual, and you're not saved by that, but faith worketh, worketh. Energeo. The word is E-N-E-R-G-E-O. Energeo, worketh by love. I didn't know there were two words that had been translated to the word love until I started the Greek text. So I studied it. You have the word love. You cannot take our word love and translate it back to the original Greek language. It's not possible. It's two different words. One is the word phileo. And then you have the word agape. These are not the same word. Great day in the morning. How can they be the same word and God would use them differently in different areas? Phileo means affection. You can have affection for anything. And affection for chocolate pie, for your car, for your wife, for your dog. You can have an affection for drugs or or booze and getting drunk. But agape is a different situation. If you don't know what agape is, you're just lost as a goose in the New Testament. And faith works by agape. Faith works. I didn't say that. Paul said that in Galatians 5 and 6. Faith works. How can these these so-called scholars like R.C. Sproul say, faith is faith alone, nothing else. Well, tell us what faith is. What is it? Has anybody ever wondered that? I used to wonder, how do you have faith and what is it? Has anybody ever thought that to yourself? Just have faith in God. Faith is what? It has to have a definition. Probably the best definition of faith is in Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the substance. Faith equals substance. And faith works. So if faith is the substance, you got to put the word substance on the board. But forget the English word. Let's get to the original text. Hupostasis. Hupostasis. Now, hupo means under. And stasis means to stand. The Bible says none understands. How are you going to get understanding? God's got to put it in your heart. I didn't know that. I used to. That's why I used to walk the aisle all the time when my father would stand up there and say, if you don't know tonight, this may be your last chance. And if you walk out this door and you get in your car and you go down the street and you run into a train and you'll go into eternity and you'll go to hell, Jimmy. You might as well have said Jimmy. And I kept walking the aisle. He kept dipping me in water. Because he'd say that baptism before Jimmy don't count. You have to, after you're saved, you have to be dipped in water. So he dipped me in water every time you turn around. I was already a believer. I just didn't know that. I was seeking God. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They'll be filled. 
I saw them every time I walked down the aisle. And there's no way to tell how many times I walked the aisle. Has anybody done that besides me? Huh? Kept walking the aisle. You couldn't figure it out? I couldn't figure it out. But I knew I loved the Lord with all my heart when I was 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I knew that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's understanding. Well, if you understand, you learn. And a learner is a disciple. Because it is the Word. Now, I didn't know this. I didn't know this till I started studying the Bible for myself. Learner. Mathetes. Boy, I liked it when I saw that. We got our word mathematics from that. You got to go by the rules and the definitions. You can't just say, well, I believe this. Why? Well, I just do because I was raised that way. That don't mean nothing. No matter how many preachers vote about something. They voted in the Southern Baptist Convention here when Billy Graham died. They voted to see if accept Christ was true and a sinner's prayer was true. And they voted for it. How? When the Bible says, we know that God heareth not sinners. If any man be a worshiper, if God doeth his will, him heareth. You've got to be worshiping God and doing his will for him to listen to you. Besides that, Romans 10, 14 comes right after Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And belief and faith are the same word believe the only difference is believe is the verb faith is the noun faith is the word p-i-s-t-i-s the stem is right there that's the stem of the word believe is p-i-s-t-e-u-o and the stem of the word determines what it is and the ending of the word determines some character of the word I didn't understand all this I didn't learn this from my father's Baptist background. I teach a lot like some of the Puritans, not like all of them. I teach a lot like the Baptists taught back in 1850 when they all believed in predestination. All the Southern Baptist heads believed in it back then. And they said that Christmas was pagan. I'm not the one that's off base. All these preachers are. I'm willing to face the truth. They're not. Now, gosh, so if you're a learner, you understand, and you can't be a disciple without a daily cross. That's what the Bible says, Luke 14, 27, he that beareth not his cross and followeth after me cannot be my disciple. You cannot learn and understand and have faith without a daily cross. Well, if you have a daily cross, what are you doing to get one? Are you doing something? You're telling people the truth, aren't you? I went for a long time, for years, without telling people all the truth. I would be afraid to tell them predestination. Until we started this ministry, I got real brave in this ministry. I thought I was going to be attacked and crucified and they'd burn crosses in my yard before it's over with. I've come to the place in realizing telling the truth is the most important thing you can do in your life and live in it. And I will from now on always tell, if you want, 
If you're looking for me to let you off the hook with your sin, you just ask me a question. I won't cut any slack for you. I don't care who you are. I won't cut it from Mary. I won't cut it from my son and for his wife and my grandkids. Not going to cut it. I'll say, you want the truth? Here it is. Boom. I have really changed in these last 10 years. God has made me more bold and more brave than ever before. Now, I got all these things that I want you to... Predestination is not there just one time. Prohorizo. Pro meaning before. That's a diacritical mark. That's an H sound. It's a breathing sound. Horizo. It's our word horizon. God has predetermined those that he knew before the foundation of the world. For whom he did foreknow. Whom is the word hus. It's masculine gender. The Bible doesn't say what God what God foreknew. It says whom he foreknew. It's masculine gender singular. The men, the people that he knew beforehand. He he did foreknow. Prognosco. P-R-O-G-I-N-O-S-K-O. Prognosco comes from gnosko meaning to know intimately. Pro means before. He said, those that I knew intimately beforehand, before the foundation of the world, he said, those are the ones that I predetermined for the light, for the horizon. That has to do with forgiveness. That's not fatalism. Forgiveness. Remember the word prison? Prison is the word in What? P-H-U-L-A-K-E and it means the division of day and night or light and darkness. I think that is the horizon, isn't it? Day and night are light and darkness. Day and night it's day and night so that's the horizon, isn't it? This is dark over here. And forgiveness is the word A-P-H-E-S-I-S. Ephesus is the word forgiveness. It means to pardon and release from prison. So, but you, forgiveness is not free. It takes repentance. So God has to deal with your heart and cause you to repent And he'll take you from darkness to life. And that is new birth. New birth. And and you come out of darkness and you go to light. And that's what Paul told the Gentile churches. You were darkness, now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So when you're forgiven, that's because you repent. And that's because you're rebuked by God. And you can't rebuke yourself, and you can't repent, and you can't forgive yourself. He has to do all of it. But when you do become a new creature, you will, faith will work by agape. Death to self is a daily cross. Where do you get a cross? I didn't know what a cross was. I'd hear my father and all his Baptist preacher friends say, Well, all that matters is the cross of Christ. Have you heard that from preachers? What does it mean? I didn't know what anything meant. Did anybody know what anything meant when they listened to these preachers? I didn't know. In the first century, you had to be a slave or you had to be a prisoner, an outlaw, to have a cross, to bear a cross. If you were a Roman citizen, you couldn't be put on a cross. 
you had to be a slave or breaking the law to go to a cross. Now, when we're put on a cross, people accuse us of breaking the law. I didn't know that most people were going to hell. Did you know that? I didn't know my father's message. You see, are you putting down your father? He's dead. I'm not trying to give him a hard time. I'm just trying to tell you what these preachers say. He wasn't any different than Billy Graham. We went to see Billy Graham one time in 1951. And I was waiting for this miracle man to walk on stage. And we were out at Will Rogers Coliseum in Fort Worth. And we went up on the... And I was watching. I kept waiting for a miracle man to come out there. And I thought, he sounds like Daddy. That's all I could get out of it. He sounds like my father. He sounds like all those independent Baptist preachers. Accept Christ as your personal Savior. And you can't accept Christ. I didn't know that until I studied the Greek text. That you can't accept Christ. And how many people are preaching that? Everybody I know of. Everybody's preaching except Christ. And the Bible says, the natural man, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. I'll get it in a minute. C-H-I-K-O-S. It's our word physical. It, It means the sensual man. The sensual man does not receive spiritual things. This is this is First Corinthians two fourteen. Does not receive the things of the Spirit of God that finishes to him. The physical man, this man right here, cannot accept Christ or anything spiritual. Does not receive decomai. How many times have I put that on the board? A thousand at least. Decomai, the E C H O M A I. It comes from the word deck, which is the word ten. A decade is ten year. Ten years. A decalogue, deck logos is the ten commandments of God. This word here means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been presented. Dead men don't accept anything spiritual. I never heard that from anybody. I just defined the word. I never heard a preacher say that. Never even read it out of a book. But I know it's true. Because the method of salvation is faith. It's believing. And that's going to produce a daily cross if you're going to do something different in your life. Well, first of all, you're going to wrestle with those little curse words once in a while that you mutter. Does anybody ever do that? Huh? Watch out. I'm not going to get you. God will get you. It won't be me behind you that bangs you in the head every once in a while. It'll be God. Watch out for the way you think, where you go, what you put in your eyes and your ears because you're liable to get involved in idolatry. Idolatry, idololatria, means to serve what you see. You don't have to be bound to some God. Now, what are all these other things that I didn't know about? Predestination. I didn't know we had to be adopted into the family. I had no idea what adoption meant. Having predestinated us, Ephesians 1 and 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption. Predestination is about being adopted. 
we've been predestined to be adopted. Huothosia, H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. Huothosia is a construction of huios. H-U-I-O-S. There's no H's, there's a breathing sign. Tithame. This is adoption. Place sons. He's predestined us to be placed as sons in the kingdom by him, not by your will. I didn't know that it wouldn't. That was my problem growing up. I thought it was my will to get into the kingdom because my father kept saying, if you don't know, you're saved. And you, you say, if you're after your father, no, I'm after every one of those preachers that preach this. It's not true. Do, when somebody lies, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to let them have it? Let them have their lies? Or are you supposed to call them down? All the preachers out here preaching these lies about accepting Christ and sinner's prayer when there's no sinner's prayer for salvation. They're preaching all these things that I didn't know. I didn't know when I grew up. I didn't know only a few people going to heaven. Out of all the world. Now, when the Bible says few, people think that means the few in the United States. No, 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 no. Did you know that the United States is only about 4.5% of the world's population? Only about 4.5% of the world's population. Do you believe 300 million people are going to heaven in America when they die? I don't believe that. I don't believe it at all. I believe very few people in the United States are going to heaven. In the 12th chapter of Luke... If they do, it's aborted babies. Huh? If it is, it's aborted It'd be aborted babies that go. That's all. I don't believe most Baptists are going to heaven. They got the wrong way of salvation. I was in those churches. I was a Baptist preacher. I was ordained in the Southern Baptist Convention over in North Carolina, Matthews, North Carolina. I know all about the Southern Baptist. I know all about the Independent Baptist. And I used to think, like all the other Baptists, we're the only people that has the truth. Except I never really thought that they would say that. And they don't have it because they're not the Baptist anymore. The Baptists believe predestination back 150 years ago and believe that Christmas was pagan. I've got a book called Southern Baptist and the Doctrines of Election. Everybody needs a copy of it. All the past presidents believed in predestination back up to about 1920 from about 1850 to 1920 they all believed in and believed that Christmas was pagan I'm not the screwball in this these preachers out here are I can watch them on TV and go no 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 I can just yell at my TV in the room by myself Mary said what's going on in there I'm yelling at this guy and I yell at all of them if I'm riding down the road in a car and one of them's on there, I'm just wanting to bang my head on something. No, that's not right. Do y'all realize we're living in the apostasy at the end of time? We're there. I'm not looking to be popular. I did not know. Growing up, I did not know if you're popular in the world... In all probability, you're going to hell one day. That would include country singers, pop singers, rock singers, sports people, NBA, NFL, anybody that's popular 
their chance of being going to heaven is very slim. Slim. Why do we want to... Why do we let people off the hook? We want them to like us, don't we? We want them. We want to be popular, don't we? Yep. You don't want to be unliked. Well, Jesus was unliked. The Bible says in First Corinthians one twenty six, not many wise in this world, not many mighty, not many noble are called of God. Who would that include? Mayors, lawyers, doctors, famous stars, singing stars, sports stars. Are they are they the mighty? They're the mighty generals, military leaders, presidents, senators. Not many of those people are going to heaven. Do you realize that we live in a world full of sinners? And they're pretending and they got this mask on. They're saying, I go to the church every Sunday morning and meet my... Not many wise, not many Einsteins, not many... Who's the scientist that died the, the other day? Hawking. Uh, Hawking. Do I believe Stephen Hawking went to heaven? No, I believe he went to hell. He did not believe in God. He didn't believe all. He believed his science was the only God he needed. He was having a hard time here being a cripple. Now he's got a hard time in eternity. Not many brilliant people are going to heaven. Not many mighty in any sense are going to heaven. We got problems in this world. I don't know why God don't just blow this whole place up. I love this word noble. Eugenes, E-U-G-E-N-E-S. Well, genes, blue bloods. Not many society people are going to heaven. I know a bunch of high society people in this town. And they're real nice. They go to church on Sunday. They listen to some boring preacher. If you know how to talk to them about truth, they just look at you like, well, you got your way and I got my way. This is not a comparison between Americans and Buddhists or Americans and, and Muslims. I don't believe the Baptist preachers are going to heaven any more than a Muslim's going. Because if they don't believe the truth about death to self, daily cross, self-denial, if you're one of his elect, it may take him 20 years or 30 years to get your attention by putting you through so much fire... One day you'll wake up and say, Lord, I'm going to tell everybody the truth about you. I did that when I come out of the hospital back in my mid-40s. I said, from now on, it's me and you against the world. And that's when I started changing. And I've been changing ever since. I have changed so much in these last few years, the last five or ten years. I don't care who it is, I'm going to tell you the truth. You say, we're going to shoot you. Well, let me put a bullseye on my forehead. I don't want to be a cripple. If you do, hit me right there so I can go be with the Lord. I'm really tired of this world. I feel like Paul. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ right now. If it wasn't for Mary and y'all here and, and my son and my grandsons, I'd just as soon leave the world. I'm really tired of the lies and the But he goes on to say God's going to take the foolish things of the world 
foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The wise of this world are going to be confounded by moreno, M-O-R-A-I-N-O. That's a form of the word moros, M-O-R-O-S. And we get our word moron from that. You've got to look like a moron from the world's viewpoint to say that Christmas is pagan when everybody else is doing it. To say that you're saved not by your will but by the will of God when everybody else is saying it's all your own will and you've got to change yourself. Huh? Got to walk the aisle. Yeah. It'll be God changing you, and He's going to take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And the He goes on to say, He's going to let me read that to you. I love that that chapter. Go over to First Corinthians. I need to read something out of the Bible, and this is one of my favorite things to read over here in 1 Corinthians the first chapter I love this because this is going to tell you the truth I didn't know this did anybody else know this that that most people are going to hell straight as the gate and now is the way that leads to life and only a few are going to find the narrow way that the word narrow I kept hearing about the straight and narrow when I was a kid I didn't know what narrow meant did you Philebo. The basic same word is tribulation. I didn't know you had to go through tribulation to get to heaven. Did you know that? Did anybody know that? I didn't know that. The Bible says we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. And when Paul said that he had just been stoned and left for dead outside of Lystra. Looked like he'd just been beaten all to pieces. Busted bones. They put splints on him. He takes off and keeps preaching you say well that hadn't happened to me yet well people have to hate you so much when you tell them about Christmas if you get around people and you never mention these things and you get out and around them on a regular basis and you never mention them they won't hate you but I didn't know we have to be hated did you when you start there in Revelation Revelation I'll get it in a minute John fifteen eighteen. Jesus said, if the world hates me, it will hate you. Did they hate him? Well, they killed him for his words. And he said, if you are of the world, the world will love his own. The next verse. And you're not of the world, therefore the world hates you. Did you know you have to be hated to go to heaven? Are you hated? Look in the mirror and ask yourself that. Do I believe you can come to that place all of a sudden? No, because I didn't come to that place in my 40s until I ended up in the hospital. God was about to kill me, and I said, Okay, God, this is from now on. I'm going to tell everybody all the truth all the time, and I'll start with these doctors and nurses on this third floor of Hendersonville Hospital, and I started revivaling up there on Hendersonville Hospital. Had IVs in both arms, dragging my IVs around the third floor and preaching to the doctors and everybody's up there. I'm sure they, some of them, if they were there, they remember that. I just said, Lord, from now on, I will tell all the truth all the time. God had to do something drastic to me, put me right at death's door. And I said, okay, I get it now. Have you ever been there? Maybe God will have to deal with you severely to get you there. Then he says, right here, 
Not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. I'm going to have that put on a t-shirt. Wear that around and say, hey, and just put under there, most lawyers and politicians and preachers are going to hell. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world that you have to look like a moron from the world's viewpoint. That reminds me of you're the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its savor, it's good for nothing. Savor is the same word, moreno. If you quit looking like a fool, you're good for nothing. It's not comfortable looking like a fool in the eyes of the world, is it? Do you like looking like a fool? You have to somewhere. If God will deal with your heart long enough, you won't be able to hardly get around anybody that they won't say, be quiet, Jim's coming over here. and Don't say nothing to get him started. Well, hi, Jim. I got to run now. And they'll get away from you. Ask Ben to say that. Huh? Ask Ben to say that. <laughs> you say that, Ben. There comes Jim. Huh? <laughs> there comes Jim. He's going to say something and I'm going to go, oh, man. I do this to the believers. I want you to see... You know when the Bible says in the 8th chapter of John the truth will make you free? I'm free. I am free. I don't care who I say what to. I'm gentle to everybody out in public, but I'm not able to say anything to them. We don't celebrate Christmas. It's paganism. And you do know it's Roman Catholicism, don't you? I'll say it just like that. Just don't beat around the bush. Just go boom. Well, we believe in predestination. We don't believe in accept Christ. I'll say it quiet, gentle, but firm. And that's where you'll make enemies. If you're not making any enemies, something's wrong with your life. Either you're young and you're undeveloped. It's going to take God more time to put you through more fire to get your attention. And I love when he says... God's going to take the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen he's chosen us to be holy and without blame but we're base things of the world base is the exact opposite of the word noble it's the word A-G-E-N-E-S it means the alpha negates the word genes means no noble bloodlines. He's going to take people that are nobodies to bring down somebodies. But when I get around important people, they're really important in their own eyes. That's what they are. Because I don't think bankers, I don't think bank presidents are important. I pay no attention to them. I don't think lawyers are important. I found out I'm old. I found out something since I got old. They know their area, and that's all they know. A banker knows about adding up things and getting a, and getting a, uh, adding up all your bills and see if he can loan you something. Because if you're in the guidelines of the bank, that's all he knows. I've talked to bankers; they don't know nothing. I've asked a banker one time. I said, "You do know that we are, we've got we're eighteen trillion dollars national debt, don't you?" He said, "I didn't know nothing about that." You're a banker and you didn't know that? No. Bankers don't study 
the national debt and where we are. They don't care. Just as long as they're paying their bills and their wife's happy, that's all. He's going to take the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. He's going to take nobody's to bring down somebody's, but he won't do it. That's all you're doing. Faith works by God. But when you walk in the commandments of God, you'll say something to them. Maybe you're not strong enough yet. Are you not strong enough? Let me see somebody nod their head. No, I'm not strong enough yet. I know you're not. I'm not up here saying you have to do this today, but eventually it'll come over your life. And you'll get to where you don't care. If you get to be Milton's age, Milton's 94, 95, something like that, he don't care what people think. I'll ask Milton sometimes, what do you think about these people that causing trouble? He just said one day, they want to be boss. That's all he said. (laughs) I said, thank you. And that's true. Now, let me get, then the next verse says that no flesh should glory in his presence. None of these wise men, mighty men, noble men are going to glory in the presence of God. That's out. That's out the window. Let me give you some more of these things that, uh, gosh, you know, most people don't, are not familiar. I ask people all the time. They are completely not familiar and I was I was more familiar than most people that Christmas was pagan. I here's something astounding to me. I was twelve years old in nineteen fifty one. I I've told this story before. My father went out and bought a TV and I'd never seen one in my life. We heard about him. Some guy down the street, his father bought, his name was Bill Hunter. He was a friend of my brother's. And his father had bought a TV, a great big screen, 17 inches, something like that. That was great big back then. And Daddy went out and bought an 8-inch screen, about that big. I think it's the width across the diagonal. And it was about like that. And it got a great big box like this and rabbit ears and and as a little kid, I was always evaluating. Nobody told me Christmas was pagan. No one. I thought something was wrong with it. Because Mama would come to us and she'd say, <coughs> who lived out in Diamond Hill, that was a real poor section. Well, it wasn't poor back after the war. It was little track houses. And Daddy bought one of those for about $4,000, something like that. That's what they cost back then. And uh, we got a TV. We watched everything we could watch. Howdy Doody. You remember Howdy Doody, don't you? It's Howdy Doody time. It's Howdy Doody time. We watched that. We'd watch Bishop Fulton Sheen. Martin Sheen named himself after that because he's a good Catholic. And Bishop Sheen was an idiot. He had a TV, black and white TV show, coming out there smiling about everything, and he loved God, you know. And uh, we'd watch the Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve, and I'm sitting there with my little analytical mind saying, 
Nobody told me about this. I'm saying Christmas, Christ's Mass. Is that what this is? There's the Pope doing the Mass. And it's Christmas Eve and St. Nicholas, I think he was called Santa Claus here somewhere in America. And I think he was a Roman Catholic priest or something. He was a Roman Catholic bishop in the 4th century, the Bishop of Myra. Some men believe that he was a pedophile because he gave gifts to children. And I'm sitting there thinking this thing out and just nailing it right on the head. But I passed it off. I moved it out of my life. Mama would come to and say, Daddy will have me money so there won't be Christmas. What bothered me more than anything wasn't not getting gifts. Because I always had a paper route. I had worked in the grocery stores, sacking groceries. And I never, it didn't occur to me that I needed something. I'd buy whatever I needed with my little jobs. Never asked my father for one nickel since I was 12. Not a nickel. I bought all my clothes, my underwear, my shoes, my socks, everything. If I went to the movie to see Roy Rogers and Gene Autry, I paid a dime and I made it. Paid a nickel to get on the bus out there to ride down to North Fort Worth. And, but I couldn't understand why the poor people couldn't have anything to do with it. It oppresses the poor. I didn't like, I didn't like that as a kid. But I had to grow up. And I wrestled with studying the Bible, and I couldn't figure it out. So I, I kept reading, kept reading, kept reading. I'd force myself to read, and I'd stop and force myself and stop and force myself. And I'd stay off for some time. If you think I'm naturally intelligent about the Bible, I'm not. I force myself to do it. If you want to be a great keyboard piano player, if you will force yourself to buy a piano and start taking piano and practice six hours a day for 20 years, you might be a good piano player and you may not. You've got to force yourself for what you want. And I wanted the scripture. I didn't know how to get it. So I just kept forcing myself to read, forcing myself to read until these things started coming together. Read through the Old Testament. I didn't just read, I studied. If you just read and pronounce words, you're not studying. I want to know what was going on. I get over here into the book of Judges. I know that the Israel over in Egypt. I didn't know this at home. My father never taught this. Never heard a preacher preach on the history of Israel. And we, you start with Genesis 1. And I got much to say about that that my father didn't teach. I didn't know that the earth was not 6,000 years old. Every independent Baptist I ever heard, including Jerry Fowler, says, where's independent Baptist leave the earth is 6,000 years old? He was an idiot. That is crazy. <coughs> In the beginning, God created. I didn't know this. I found out later the word create is the word bara. That it's a righteous word. It is a form of bereth. B-E-R-I-Y-T-H. And bereth is the word covenant. The covenant is not evil. It's the word covenant. And God created the heavens and the earth in the first verse. And then the earth becomes without form and void. That's not in the creation. Without form. 
Because the Bible, and I kept reading over here in the New the Old Testament, Isaiah forty five eighteen. Forty five eighteen, God says, When I created the earth, I created it to be inhabited. He didn't cre- he only created the earth in the first verse. It was an inhabitable place. But you get to the second verse, and the earth is without form. Tohu is the word. And void. And darkness. You cannot inhabit that, can you? That's not inhabitable. And darkness. Well, that's the work of Satan. If you want to know where Satan began his work, he was cast into the earth in Revelation the 12th chapter Satan is cast into the earth along with a third of the angels of heaven they're cast into the earth and what happens well the earth becomes without form to who Isaiah 45 18 I heard those independent Baptists say the earth is 6,000 years old I thought that's ridiculous we got all these skeletons of these dinosaurs where are they from Huh? And Isaiah forty five eighteen, he said, My creation was to be inhabited. It was inhabitable. And then he said, I created nothing in vain. Vain in vain is the word tohu. He said, What I created up here was not what's going on down here. I didn't know that. All I heard was that independent Baptist stuff. The earth is 6,000 years old. That's, I thought, that's crazy. I don't know what's in this first creation. I don't believe anybody knows. And the six days were not six days of creation. They were six days of making and forming. Now the Jews said... They said this creation, bara, means to breathe out of nothing. God created all with his mouth. David said he creates with his breath. So he creates here. Satan is cast into the earth in Revelation 12. And he does this right here. And then he has six days of making and forming are the works of a potter. He separates the waters under the firmament from the waters above the firmament. Potter. He does the works of a potter. That's what he's doing there. He has six days of making and forming, not six days of creation. What separates the two, he said, I didn't create anything in vain, and without form is in vain. He said, I didn't create that. What I created up here, nobody's going to know what that is. I don't know, maybe the dinosaurs were here. I don't know. But they, there's one thing for sure. You can go into those museums and they're there, are they? And boy, they, all these guys want to talk their way out of it. I listen to Jerry Falwell. I'd go, oh, good grief. Now, I didn't know. When I started trying to read my Bible at 17... I didn't know anything I'm putting on the board. Nothing. 
didn't know anything. I just, I would make myself read. Do you know how I make myself read now? I'm trying to read several books. Some of them are extremely complicated. History of the World by Quigley. I, he's a brilliant man. I want to know all about Japan and why World War II started and what, how long they were building up to this when they were attacking China and Manchuria back in the 30s. And I just want to know about it so I can use it in my preaching. But boy, it's hard for me to read that. And I keep forcing myself to read over and over. You want to know? Read and study and make yourself do it. It's kind of like losing weight. You have to make yourself quit eating bread and sugar and you'll lose weight. That's the way it works. Don't you know that? But you've got to make yourself. Now, how much time do I have, Mike? I'm trying to tell you the things I did not know. I didn't know I didn't know the layout of the Bible. I give you all the layout of the scripture. I do it every time I put the timeline on the board. I didn't know that after there's so many things I want to say about Genesis the first chapter. I love the part where the Bible says about the third day that everything brought forth seed after its kind. That means the kind was already in the muck, in the chaos. The chaos is the second verse. The seed was there. It doesn't say God created the seed in the muck. It says everything brought forth seed after its kind. And everything began to bloom on the third day. Resurrection started happening on the third day in the first chapter of Genesis. Isn't that amazing? And what's really amazing, another thing that's amazing, God separated the waters under the firmament from the waters above the firmament. That was the waters that were up in the sky. The waters below the firmament was the rivers and the oceans. And all that water stayed there for 1,656 years till it was time for the flood. You mean God knew that was going to happen? He had planned that to happen. He had planned for men to become evil in their ways. And he reserved the waters up there. And it didn't rain for 1,656 years from Adam till Noah. Didn't rain. How did they get their water? In the second chapter of Genesis, the Bible says that it went up to mist from the ground to water the ground. Well, they had water. But they had some kind of shell around the earth, some kind of cloud, because all of the the ultraviolet rays couldn't get through. And what makes you old is the ultraviolet light. When you get old, your skin gets old, and your body gets old. And if you could block all the ultraviolet rays, you'd get a lot older. And that's why they lived 969 years. Methuselah and Adam lived 900. And 30 years, and Jared lived 960 years. They lived long because they didn't have all of these rays coming in. Now, I didn't know. I didn't know when I was growing up that you had the creation. Then you had Adam and Eve. 
and that she ate of the tree and he ate of it so he could be with her. And you had, I didn't know you had Genesis 4 and Genesis 5. And this was the lineage of Adam through Seth. Genesis 5, Adam through Seth. And Genesis 4, the descendants of Cain. I didn't know that. Then immediately in chapter 6, I didn't know that's where the flood, God promises a flood and tells Noah to build an ark. Build an ark. And I didn't know till I looked up the word pitch. I brought this out the other night. Pitch with pitch. Pitch the ark within and without with pitch. First word pitch, kafar, is the same word as atonement. I brought this out Wednesday night. Second word pitch is kofar. And kafar means to cover. And kofar means to stain with a dye. Stain it to dye. And pitch, the pitch of the ark was called something called bitumen. And most of the scholars say it either comes out of a tree or comes out of the ground. And it's a red stained caulking that they caulked the boats with so that it wouldn't, wouldn't sink. It was a caulking. And the pitch of the ark was the baptism because baptize has the exact same meaning as pitch with pitch. Baptizo with bapto. Baptizo means to cover. Baptism means to stain and to die. When the Bible says baptism doth also now save us, oh, in First Peter, the baptism wasn't the water, that was the judgment. The baptism was the kafar with kofar. I didn't know that until I looked it up. And you won't even find that. You won't even find that in a Strong's Concordance. You've got to go to a you got to go and look up these different words in in a word study concordance. It'll give you kofar with pitch with pitch. The second word pitch, kofar, first word kafar. And kafar is the same word as atonement. And a blood baptism was a death. Brought that out Wednesday night. I didn't know. I didn't know any of this stuff. I had no idea that when when you get to the ark ark is built here in 6 7 and 8 the flood is upon the earth it did rain 40 days but they were in the ark 370 days I didn't know that till I read and I saw it in the scripture I didn't know that did you know that they were in the ark 370 days and there was one window on the top of the ark and they were smelling elephant dung and and each other's dung and it, they were smelling the, they were stinking inside the ark that was a trial wasn't it no baths huh? no baths feeding the lions and the, all the other animals in there feeding some of them well they had and you'll hear people say or oh, they took in the animals two by two Wait a minute. If they took them in two by two and they kill one of the lambs and feed it to one of the lions, how are they going to reproduce when they come out of the ark? They're not, are they? They had two of the clean and seven of unclean. So they can feed the unclean to the clean and keep it down to two so they can reproduce when they come out of the ark. Just stop and think about it. 
<laughs> I didn't know that. Had no idea. You know what you have to do when you're studying the Bible? Look real close at the details and think about it. You can't read through the Bible fast. I used to have a guy come here and say, Well, I read Leviticus last week. I'm going to Deuteronomy this week. How do you do that? I can't do that. But I didn't know when they come out of the ark, in chapter 9, come out of the ark, chapter 10 is the table of nations. I didn't know what that was. That's where, that's where the descendants of Cain, that's where the descendants of uh, the ark landed on mountains of Ararat. That's in west, well, eastern Turkey. I didn't know that until I read it. It's in eastern Turkey, and all of the descendants of Japheth went up here between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, and the descendants of Ham went down here to Egypt and put and so forth, and the descendants of Shem took off down here into Babylon, what we call Babylon. That's why God had to call Abraham out of Babylon and call him down <coughs> to Israel. I didn't know that. I didn't know any of this. I had to get it out of my books. I didn't get it from preachers. Do you know we have the information? Preachers are too lazy. They don't care if they buy the books, and if they buy the books, they won't read them. Jimmy Swagger's got a set of McClinican Strong over his right shoulder on his TV. And I guarantee he's never opened them. Jimmy, why don't you give them to us? We'll give them somebody who can use it. And what I really didn't know... <clears throat> I didn't know that Abraham comes on the scene in 11. And then God promises the land to Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob. And Jacob's name is changed to Israel. I didn't know that he had... I kept hearing about the tribes of Israel. I didn't know he had 12 sons that became the nation. Tribes. I didn't know they were split in two. Because of Solomon allowing his wives and his concubines to keep all of their... Their idol, their idol gods there in the 11th chapter of Second, First Kings. I didn't know that. Didn't know any of that. Had to learn it out of the Bible and out of books. You want to learn, read, pay attention. And maybe one or two of you will want to learn that bad. And what I really didn't know, Israel goes into Egypt under Joseph. This is the this is the timeline of Israel. This is everything the Bible is about. Every time I put this on the board, it's everything the Bible is about. There's not one. There's not four or five timelines through the Scripture. There's one. Starts with Adam. Goes off through all these people, and then Joseph is sold into captivity, and he's in. Joseph is in captivity. He brings Jacob and his brothers over there. And all of his family, there's 70 people come over there. I didn't know there were 70 come over there until I read it in the Bible. And then they're there for 400 years in captivity. And then a man named Moses, God calls Moses. I didn't know where he came into the Bible. I didn't know he was, I, for all I knew, he was before Abraham. I didn't know. You know where these people are in the Scripture? The best way to learn the Bible is to know this timeline. I've got it on 200 tapes, probably. 
when I put this up here, this is the Old Testament timeline. This is not one of the timelines. It's the line. It'll take you from Genesis all the way through the Bible. But I didn't know any of this when I started. I believed God that I could find the truth out of the Word of God. And then they come out of Egypt under Moses. And one of the real important thing, I did not know. I never heard of the four judgments of God. Where did I get that? Out of the Bible. That's what gets me. God would say over and over, I'm going to send sword, famine, pestilence. Sword, famine, pestilence. Sword, famine, pestilence. Sword, famine, pestilence. And if you're not obedient to me, I'll send the beast. I didn't know what the beast was. I thought it was a man. Most people think the beast was a man. Huh? Well, you got the beast over here in in Daniel 7. And it's a lion, bear, and leopard. Now I've got a history book by a man named Phillips. Really good historian. He'll tell you about these guys. It's... Uh, I can't think of his first name. His name's Phillips. He's a historian. Excellent. So I read in here that the Babylonian lion, that was the most regal of all the animals. I didn't know this. And the lion is the most regal, and the most regal of all the empires was Babylon. Gorgeous, beautiful city, straddling the Euphrates River. I didn't know Babylon straddled the Euphrates. Did you? The- that Euphrates runs southwest in Babylon. I didn't know that. Here's the Euphrates, and here's the Tigris, and they they meet right before you get to the Persian Gulf. That's where we had that war over Kuwait, right here in the early nineties. I didn't know you needed to study with maps. I don't study anything that I don't look at a map in the Old Testament. I want to know where it is and what's going on. Babylon is the same thing as Iraq. I got it. It'll show it here. Let me see here. I didn't know that Mesopotamia was was Babylon. here's Iraq that was Babylon Euphrates runs down through here the Tigris comes down I didn't know that on the Tigris River was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire it was called Nineveh in the ancient world I didn't know why Jonah was going to Nineveh did anybody know that he went to Nineveh because these Assyrians were butchers and tell them they have to repent they did and he got mad because he didn't want them to repent he wanted God to destroy them I don't know why Jonah got mad I heard a preacher say one time or a Bible teacher he said Jonah was familiar with how what butchers the Assyrians were and he didn't like them living then Euphrates runs down through there and you see Iran Afghanistan and Pakistan that was Persia. So when you read about the Persian kings, Cyrus, Darius, Artaxerxes, 
They had come over here and conquered Babylon. They conquered Iraq. That's what they conquered. I didn't know that. I had to learn all this stuff one thing at a time. People say, how would you learn all that? One thing at a time. Read. When you start seeing this stuff connect together, you say, wow. It's easy for me to read the Bible now and see what it's about. Because I'm familiar with it. And then when Moses says, when God tells Moses, you tell Israel, when they go into the land, if they go after other gods, I'll send these four, these three judgments, and if they stay going after these other gods, I will send the beast, the Babylonian lion, to carry them away into captivity. Then Babylon will be overthrown by the Persian bear, Persia. And I even know the dates on that. I know that Persia overthrew Babylon in 539 B.C. I know that Babylon overthrew the Assyrians in 612 B.C. 612 B.C. And I know the leopard, that was, that was compared with The leopard was compared with Greece. And I read Mr. Phillips' book, and he said that's because the leopard was a super-killing machine. That's what Alexander the Great was. I read that. And then I'd go online and study the leopard. He's a dangerous animal, more dangerous than the lion to a human being. The lion will go out and may maul you and throw you on the ground and walk away from you. If a leopard comes after you, he's coming after you to eat. He's going to kill you and take you up in a tree and you can't get, you'll be dead and the other animals will be trying to get to you. He's come, he hunts, he hunts alone, he hunts to eat. And you're dead if he comes after you. Well, that's the way Alexander the Great was. He went after that, that Persian bear and just kept hitting at his haunches till he brought him down. And then you have the beast with iron teeth. Always iron. I didn't know that iron had to do with Rome. But then I studied the I studied Daniel's image in the second chapter of Daniel. It's actually Nebuchadnezzar's image in his dream, and he sees the head of gold. He sees the chest of silver, the torso of brass, and the legs of iron. Wherever you see iron, that was the same thing as the lion, the bear, and the leopard. The reason Persia was called the bear, because the bear is the largest. I got this from Mr. Phillips. The bear is the largest carnivore in the world. And when he goes after something, he's going to kill it. You don't want to tangle with a bear. Not even a lion wants to tangle with a bear. Bears are overwhelming. Just they're the largest carnivore alive. The largest armies that ever existed, Mr. Phillips says, was the Persian armies. They'd go against someone with a million, two and a half million army. You couldn't stand it up to that. And there's a reason for calling it a lion, a bear, and a leopard. But I didn't know until I got my Greek books out and studied them. 
I didn't know that the line of bearing a leopard over here in Revelation 13 you know what messes us up definitions that they put that those translators put on something the Bible says there was a great dragon and the beast and the dragon gave the beast we'll look at that real quick I'll show it to you the dragon gave the beast his power his seat and his great authority and I got to thinking how can his be equated with the lion the bear and the leopard over here and it be a and it be an it over here it was an it it was a it was a world ruling system over here how can it be a man over here it can't be it's the same thing over here it is over here that's a bad translation in revelation 13 and 3 and 1 and 2 it's a bad translation let me show you why I went into my Greek books and I looked this up if you go to Revelation 13 the dragon gave him his power his seat and his great authority it's not his it can't be his it's the word A-U-T-O-U that's the word his A-U-T-O-U well I guess put a B in there or two. Now, when you go into a Greek, go into Mr. Mouse's Greek, first year Greek for beginners, you look this up, he'll tell you A U T O U can be masculine or neuter gender depending on the antecedent. Now, the antecedent, where'd you learn that? No. I have an English book. The antecedent is the noun or pronoun that the word refers back to. It refers back to the beast. This is why people think that the beast is a man. It's not Donald Trump. It's not the head of the uh, uh, Trilateral Commission. It's not the head of anything. It's the world ruling system. All two can either be masculine or neuter gender, depending on the antecedent. The antecedent is totherion. This is the word the beast. Totherion is neuter gender. It has to be an it, not a not a he. Was that wrong translation? Absolutely. In fact, if you go into an interlinear Bible, this is the way it will read. It will say, in Revelation 13, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. There's Greece. And his feet is the feet of a bear. There's Persia. And his mouth is the mouth of a lion. And the dragon. Guys, throw the word dragon out the window. We think of fire-breathing dragons, St. George and the dragon in England in their mythology. It's not dragon, it's the word dracon. D-R-A-K-O-N. It means to fascinate. It means to make one feel good. 
that's not a fire-breathing dragon. Get over that. It's kind of like the word angel. Angelos. A-G-G-E-L-O-S. It means a messenger. It don't mean a heavenly being. Can it be a heavenly being? Yes. Can it be me? Yes. If I'm a messenger of God, I'm an angel. All the pastors of the churches were called angels. Definition is everything, isn't it? But I didn't know this till I studied it and found it out. And there's not a Greek teacher that can watch it out there that can call me and tell me this is wrong. Well, where did I go to school for that? I didn't go to school for it. I just studied, 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 studied. When I first started studying Greek about 40 years ago, I'd mispronounce words. I'd write them down wrong. I used to pronounce G, J. And now I found out it was G. Egg. Kusia. All right. Now, so the beast is an it. It's a world-ruling system. It's a Babylonian system. And all of this has to do with Babylon. It's a Babylonian system. And Babylon was founded on self. So the beast is going to rise up and say, let us make us a name. Has the world done that? Name is the word Shem in the Hebrew. It means authority. Has the world made them up an authority? Yeah, they say, accept Christ as your personal Savior. And Christmas is pagan. Christmas is not pagan. It's okay. They have made up a new doctrine. And you know how much that frustrates me to hear these guys lie? Now, whether they mean to lie is not the point. They're lying. If you, are, if you call yourself an algebra teacher and you never have had algebra, you hadn't, even had, uh, you hadn't even had mathematics in elementary school, don't call yourself an algebra teacher. Get a bunch of students in there. Don't call yourself a Baptist preacher and you don't know what it's about. Don't call yourself a preacher. If you walked out that door and you had to walk some distance till you found a man telling the truth and God would annihilate all the liars, how far would you have to walk? Maybe the other side of Nashville, maybe somewhere halfway between here and Knoxville. So I didn't know all these things. Where did I get it? Well, I'll read, but I have to make myself read. If I'm going to read Mr. Addersheim's book, sometimes I have to make myself read it to find out the information. But once I learn it, I'm home free. I'll I'll teach anybody. I was stopped from giving somebody a DVD at the bank by a bank president here last week. She don't know. I don't try to convert anybody. I don't believe in converting anybody. I give them information. That's all. That's all I do with anybody. Give information. I don't say, well, would you like to accept Christ? Would it maybe twist your arm up behind your back and repeat this prayer? I don't believe in converting anybody. If you belong to God, you'll hear. And if you don't, you won't. Huh? I can't. That's right. So, I did not know. I kept reading the Old Testament. And Israel comes back into the land after they're in bondage for 400 years. And they they are ruled by judges. By judges. 300 years or so. And, And Joshua was the first judge and then 
and then Othniel and Ehud, and the list goes on and on until you get to Samuel. And they keep going after Baal in the grove. And the warning was, if you go after other gods, I will send the sword, famine, the pestilence, and I have the beast carry you away into captivity. I didn't know what was going on in Israel until I studied the Old Testament. And then uh, while they're under kings, gosh, how many details can I get into? You get down to Ahab, and he marries Jezebel, and their father is Ethbaal, and he's the priest of Baal and of Ashtaroth, and they bring that out to northern Israel, and God says, I've had enough, and I sc- he scattered northern Israel, 722 B.C., so, and finally, southern Judah does the same thing. Southern Judah was, was, the, was the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. Northern Israel was the ten northern tribes. And it was Ahab of the ten northern tribes. That was also called Ephraim. I didn't know Ephraim had the inheritance of Israel until I read the 48th chapter of Genesis. I just didn't know that. But I had to find out how you had the inheritance. It was placed upon the head by the patriarch. And when Ephraim was brought to Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh, the two sons of Joseph, and Joseph led his older son to Jacob's right hand so he'd, so he'd received the blessing of the inheritance. And Ephraim was led to his left hand. When they got close to Jacob, Jacob crossed his hands and put the hand of blessing on the head of Ephraim, the second born of Joseph. I didn't know what that meant. I kept studying until I found out. And they're scattered all over the earth until the times of the Gentiles is over for them to rule over Israel. And for 2,600 years... They were, they, the Jews fell by the edge of the sword. Luke twenty one twenty four. They shall fall by the edge of the sword. They'll be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentile rule over them is fulfilled. And that really began to. Jerusalem fell until June fifth through June tenth, nineteen sixty seven. They became a nation. In May of 1948, May 14th, 1948, and that's when all the Arabs begin to attack Israel. And they're going to attack them until the end, till it's over. There's not going to be a settlement. I've said it so many times. I didn't know that for 400 years, most of the people that lived in what we call Israel or Palestine back then from 1517 till 1917 most of the people that lived there were Arab people that's why they say we stole their land I understand the Arabs thinking that the Muslim people they said they belonged to them but I didn't I couldn't connect that with Genesis 17 where God said the land belongs to the land belongs to Abraham Isaac and Jacob for an everlasting covenant Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And the Muslims say it belongs to us. We owned it for 400 years. Why are you kicking us off of our land? 
and come May 14th, 1948, when, they, when the National Council met at Tel Aviv, National Council of the United Nations met, said Israel is a nation for the first time in 2,600 years. All of the Arabs declared war with Israel. All these Arab nations around them. Egypt, over here in Syria, and over here in Jordan, they're all at war with Israel because they possessed the land for 400 years. Why do you think they crashed the planes in the World Trade Center? Because they were crazy? No, they believed in what they were doing. They actually believed the land was theirs. Do I blame them? No. What is the answer to all this? None. There's going to be distress of nations with perplexity, aporia, A-P-O-R-I-A, in a quandary, no way out. What's going over there in Israel is going to happen till the end, till Jesus comes back. And it has to be pretty close. We're not that far away from it. But I didn't know. I didn't know that when Israel was a nation under kings, they went after Baal, the fire god, fire. And they went after Grove, the tree goddess. And they went after Asherah and Ashtaroth and Ashtart. And all the gods of Syria, Remen, and they went after the gods of Egypt, the gods of Amun-Ra and, and uh, Osiris and Isis, and the list goes on and on. Israel went after all of that. And that's the same thing. I didn't know this. I was suspecting it when I was a little kid that something was wrong with Christmas. But when you get over here to Constantine... And at 325 A.D., when you get to Constantine, the Caesars, he was the Caesar of all the empire. And he was he had two things, two problems. The Christians kept growing. He could he would slaughter them and they would grow. And you had all these other emperors, Diocletian, right before Constantine. Diocletian, and before him, you had Nero and all these guys that were trying to eliminate and annihilate the Christians, and they couldn't. And Constantine, around 312, Constantine issued the Edict of Toleration. And we're going to tolerate all the Christians. We're going to let them multiply he had two problems. The Christians wouldn't be eliminated. And Rome was only ruling on the Mediterranean Sea. That's why I didn't know what the bottomless pit was until I defined it and I applied it to the map. Bottomless pit, A-B-U-S-S-O-S. It comes, it, it's a construction of bathos or bathizo meaning knowledge or great intellectual depth. And when you place the alpha primitive, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, as a negative particle, it negates the word. It means no knowledge. 
and the beast comes out of the bottomless pit, oh, you mean the Mediterranean Sea? Yeah. And who had knowledge of God that was upon the Mediterranean Sea? Israel. That's all. Nobody else had any knowledge. The bottomless pit, they believed that, that that sea was full of demons and evil things. They thought whales were demons. Crazy. But they, what, what did they have? Did they have the internet or TV to give them information? They had nothing. And Constantine in Rome in 325, he was afraid. All he ruled was the beast was always on the Mediterranean. That was where a civilized people live. But he had up here, you had the Huns, the Ostrogoths, the Visigoths, the Saxons. These are all barbarians that come in from the Far East, come in from the North and come down here. And Constantine was afraid. Not only was he having problem containing the Christians, but he was afraid that the, that the Visigoths were going to come down here and attack Rome. The Visig- I don't know why the Visigoths are worse than the Ostrogoths or than the Goths, but they were like barbarians. They didn't care if you killed them. They'll kill you too while they're killing you. They didn't care. He was afraid of losing the empire to all these pagans, to the Celts, to the Visigoths, the Goths, the Gauls. Here's the Ostrogoths here, coming here. And he was afraid they was going to come in here and take over Rome. So what he did... What Constantine did in 325 A.D. You know where I got all this? Reading. Just reading, 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 reading. Read it over and over and over and over again. You know how many times I have defined world in John 3.16? Maybe I missed something there. Let me go to these other books. Maybe I'd miss something over here. Cosmos. Masculine gender singular. For God so loved the world. So is an adverb. I got that from junior high school. So, he's afraid of losing the empire, particularly to the Ostrogoths. The Ostrogoths were, here's the Danube River, right here, or right here. The Danube run down into the Black Sea, and the Visigoths were above the blacks above the Danube, and the Huns came down and drove them across the Danube into Rome territory. Rome says, We're gonna start taxing you, and they said, You're not gonna tax nobody. We'll come in there and kill you. And boy, they were some evil people. So Constantine, I said, I have to amalgamate their tree and sun gods which was the same thing as Israel going after Baal and the grove and all the gods they went after and if Babylon was the mother of it all then the same thing that was Christmas was Baal and the grove in Israel same thing and I didn't know that I didn't know any of this I got this out of a book right here and I had Dan put it on. I said, Dan, I need you to put that on the on our screen. Anytime I get something that can teach you something, I'll show that. So, he brings all of their gods into the church. And he says the Christians can come in. They'd been slaughtering the Christians before this. 
But now everybody can come in the church, hold hands, and get along. And what do we call that? Huh? Political correctness. Don't offend anybody. And that's how Christmas got into the church. Christmas is Christ's Mass. Constantine started the Roman Catholic Church in 325 A.D. And it don't matter what anybody believes this or not. This is history. I don't believe that. Well, then you don't believe history. Do you believe George Washington was the first president? Well, I don't think that. Okay. You can't refute history. I've got all these things. I didn't know there were two Jesus in the Bible. If I really want to scramble somebody's brain, I said, do you know that there were two Jesus in the Bible? I go, what are you talking about? And I said, well, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and 4, some will come preaching another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel that I haven't preached. Then he says, that other Jesus is Satan transformed into an angel of light. Transformed, metaschematizo, means to disguise oneself. Satan cannot disguise, he can't deceive wearing red suit, horns, and a tail, can he? He's got to look like Jesus. He's going to be talking Bible and twisting it. I'm about out of time. These are just some of the things that I didn't know until I dug and dug and dug and kept digging. You can learn if you want to. I keep saying, all you have to do is get my DVDs, watch them and take notes because all that come out of my library. Everything I'm teaching is not something I made up. It's in my library. Sometimes I can't remember what books I get it out of. Sometimes I know exactly. You go in my library, I got thousands of books in two rooms from floor to ceiling. And you pull out some of the books and I'll have post-it notes all through it. And that's my bookmarks. Somebody sent me a bookmark one time and said, maybe you can use this. And I picked it up and stuck it in a book. Yeah, I used it. I'm out of time. All this goes together. It's one big, huge picture. And I'm just kind of reviewing this as a... I want to go through shadows and images. Didn't know nothing about shadows and images. Nothing. When I started. I never heard any preacher in my life preach about the Holocaust. Boy, I love to get into that. No preachers ever preached on it. I ever heard. And I got dozens of books on it. It was the doctrine of the Pharisees. I never even heard them talk about what the Pharisees taught. They didn't teach the Bible. They taught Halakha. Yeah, I never heard any preachers refer to the Texas Receptus, the original text. Never heard of Pentecostal understand tongues. They don't understand it at all. Whosoever is not in the Bible anywhere in the original text. Doesn't say whosoever. It says the believing all. Masculine and gender singular. There's a particular believing all. That's God's elect. Well, let's pray. God help us to continue work. Cause us to be content with everything that's going on. Because it's all your will. If we can learn that, Lord, we'll stop our stress and our worry and just believe that you're doing it all. 
thank you for our picnic people and for those that couldn't come bless their lives crush us all under your hand we have to be crushed you said so we got to be bruised crush us enough to bow to your will and we'll praise you for all of this in Christ's name amen oh yeah and fight our battles Lord we can't fight Just 30. Every time you did a word, I, I would put a dot on the tail. I, just, I was curious to see how many Greek words you defined. I love you, John. 36. I mean, no preacher has ever called you and told you you were wrong. I challenge Greek teachers. Call me and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. They ain't going to call. 